the Triathlon Show 348. What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and on today's episode I interview Dr. Fabian Urban. Fabian is a systemic performance coach with a background in behavioral economics. Uh, he works with people in leadership and business roles as well as with athletes uh, to help people maximize their performance in sports or in business. And uh, one example of that, which we'll talk about in the interview, is uh, Fabian having worked with pro triathlete Florian Angert in the lead up to his uh, really, really great um, accomplishment at the Ironman World Championships in St. George, where he finished fifth. And so we will discuss that and uh, get some uh, specific advice in the interview. This episode is sponsored by Precision Fuel and Hydration that creates sports nutrition products, including both, both fueling and hydration. And they also help you use it effectively through a range of free tools, services and content. They have recently launched a fantastic fuel and hydration planner on their website. That is a one-stop shop for figuring out an effective race hydration and fueling strategy for you. It's free and super easy to use. It only takes a couple of minutes to answer a handful of questions. And then you get a detailed, simple and effective race plan. They also offer free video consultations. And as a listener of the podcast, you can get 15% off your order of the range of electrolyte and carbohydrate products by using the code TTS22 at checkout on precisionfuelandhydration.com. And thank you to Senate. The Senate Indoor Swim Trainer is a swim training tool that you can use at home, allowing you to improve your technique, work on power and stamina, and save time and stay consistent even when you're not able to go to the pool. It is a fantastic way to work on swim-specific core activation as the instability element of the bench forces you to stabilize your core and it helps you work on a high elbow catch as the height of the swim bench is perfectly designed for forcing you to keep that elbow up. You can get tips and specific workouts uh, on how to use the trainer on Senate social media channels like YouTube and Instagram. The Senate Swim Trainer is very affordable and even more so with a 20% discount code that you can get on senateswimtrainer.com forward slash TTS. And best of all, the investment is risk-free. If you don't love it after two weeks, send it back and you can get a full refund. Before we get into today's interview with uh, Dr. Fabian Urban, uh, I also just quickly want to mention about the January training camp we will be running in Portugal uh, for 15 advanced athletes. I talked about this in last week's episode as well, so you can skip ahead if it doesn't interest you for a minute or a minute and a half or so. Uh, but uh, basically, uh, this will be a small group training camp for uh a group of advanced athletes and we will have another training camp in Mallorca later in 2023 at the end of March which will be open for athletes of all different levels. You can check out all the information about the Portugal training camp on scientifictriathlon.com and if you're interested please email me and you can register or you can email me and ask for more information if you have any questions I'm happy to discuss if it's the right camp for you. Please note that we only have a handful of slots left at the moment of recording this, so don't lose any time if you want to sign up for it. And uh, just finally, if you have never heard of uh, Dielgarve in the south of Portugal as a cycling destination, it's not surprising because it's not one of those places that is talked about a lot, like Mallorca, but it is a truly a hidden gem. It is absolutely amazing for cycling. I've spent a lot of time there and uh, I absolutely love it and uh, it's, it will be a treat for you if you decide to come to the camp. 
So yeah, that's the that's the camp. Uh, hope to see many of you there. And now, without any further ado, let's get into the interview with Fabian Urban. Welcome to that triathlon show, Fabian. How are you doing? Hey, thanks, Nika. Uh, I'm doing well, thank you. Can you uh, start by just giving us an introduction? Uh, tell us who you are and uh, yeah, what you're doing uh, and uh, how your work is related to triathlon. Yeah, of course. My name is Fabian. I'm 45 years old and um, I live in Frankfurt in Germany. And I'm the co-founder and the managing director of the House of Leadership and uh, the initiator of the Project Barriers, um, I think, which I will talk about a bit more in detail later. And my job is um, I design and facilitate <clears throat> learning journeys for individuals with a focus on leadership, self-leadership and personal development. And I work as a performance coach for managers and pro athletes who are pursuing a specific goal. Um, a bit to my background, after school and my time in the army, I studied economics and um Yeah, I didn't feel comfortable there as it was very math heavy, which, uh, yeah, wasn't really my thing. And, um, but what I really liked was the behavioral aspects of economics. So why do people behave the way they do in a certain market or a certain system, for example? Or, uh, what is their underlying motivation and what keeps them from initiating a new pattern of behavior? Or why do they stick with a destructive one? And that's why I decided to write a dissertation after my math master's degree. And um, I focused on the topic of emotional experience uh, in the context of the performance area, uh, because I was firmly convinced that this has got a massive influence on the behavior of individuals. And uh, uh, in my doctoral thesis on emotions and leadership, I found out what emotions uh or what, what role emotions play, especially in the context of leadership and what uh, significance they have also in context of uh, personal development and, and self-management. And um, yeah, after that, I worked a few years at Deutsche Bank in the talent and development department and was also responsible for the executive education department at the business school in Frankfurt at the university, again, focusing on development programs. And uh, during that time, I completed a couple of courses in systemic consulting and Zen meditation and mental coaching and body work. And I started integrating them step by step to enrich my work a bit and realized that I could enormously increase uh, the number of, let's say, access channels to my clients in a world. Um, maybe a few facts about my sporting yeah. career. So I started with triathlon. Uh, I, I started with triathlon in the 90s when triathlon was, I think, still completely unknown in Germany. So nobody knew. So triathlon, okay, what is it? And to date, I have completed nine Ironman races and about 20 half Ironman races. And I think, yeah, I don't know, more short distance races and duathlons that I can count. And since I have a yeah, very strong connection to the field of, of professional sports and in particular to the world of Ironman and long distance triathlon, I um, a significant part of my work takes place, especially in this this area. Yeah, and uh, you have been working, we, we will get to that in, in a little bit, but just to give some more context for listeners, one athlete you've been working a lot with is uh, Florian Angert, uh, that you've been working with uh, for a long time, really leading up to uh, to the World Championships where he placed fifth. So, um, so that's kind of 
what the, the reason that I found you in the first place is through learning about your work with with Florian. Yeah, um, Florian was um, part, uh, or who took he took part in the Pathfinder program. That was uh, a program we set up together within the pandemic with um, Felix Weishöfer, who is the organizer of the Challenge Roth, the long distance triathlon in Germany. And it was designed for German elite triathletes during the pandemic. And we wanted to give them the chance, okay, you are a triathlete and uh, you make the living out of, of professional sports. And uh, is there anything we can do for you? So give, giving you the chance to maybe, yeah, as we said, finding your path as a professional athlete. And um, after that program, uh, Florian contacted me and, uh, yeah, we... Uh, set up a, a project I think I will talk a bit more in detail about later and uh, it was called Breaking Barriers and it was a project uh, in preparation for the World Championships in St. George this year. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that in a, in a bit for sure but uh, let's uh, start uh, a bit more generally. So, so you mentioned there uh, systemic coaching or systemic performance coaching. Uh, can you describe that and uh, tell us more about what that means? Yeah, of course. Um, very short, a systemic coach, or if you work as a systemic coach, you include the whole system within and around, and around a person, what is for some people quite new and, and how do I work or, or what do we do? So our clients, whether they come from the business or the professional sports area, are in most cases very performance and result orientated. And while most of them are aware of their potential and, and what is possible for them, they somehow feel that they cannot really fulfill it. So they, they feel something like a, yeah, we call it barrier or a knot and they cannot untie. And to put it, to put it simple in words, some have the fuzzy feeling of not being in their position. So, which means, I mean, people who are experienced in martial arts or in yoga know exactly if you are centered or as we say in your position and act out of this position you are very ba well balanced and have good or, or perfect access to all your resources and all your bodily uh, cognitive and emotional skills so which you require for reaching out your goal and the opposite is very often the case when you are not centered not in your position so let's take for example the feeling when you do not sit well on your TT bike as a comparison. So you want to put power on the pedal and you could do it, but simply because you have the wrong posture, you aren't able to do it. And then you are, as, as we say, blocked in a certain way. So you are not in, in your position. And working with athletes in this regard means that they, if they are not in their position, cannot transfer their training success to, to the race. So they are then quite often good in training. So in Germany, we call them training world champions. <laughs> and they have excellent performance data, but very often or from time to time, something holds them back when they race and, and they have to perform. And then my approach is, and this maybe seems a bit unusual, I try to figure out what the benefit of the, the barrier or the knot I described or what I call the, the major incidents might be so, especially if it's happening more frequently. And of course, a physical or training scientific cause can be, can be ruled out. So many athletes often 
yeah, try to untie the knot by by pulling. But believe me, I don't think you you can you can um, untie a knot by pulling the end. So the the opposite normally happens. It, it gets tighter, and uh, that's why people come or athletes come to me. From my experience, I can say that the harder athletes often desperately try, the more their attempt is is likely to fail. And then we take a a view on on the the problem or their their goal they are pursuing. What is an example of uh, one or two barriers or knots, uh, and and also how pulling on them just makes yeah. it worse, and and yeah. then okay. yeah, doing it the other way around. Um, okay, maybe I, I describe it in that way. So it sounds a bit counterintuitive, indeed. So the f- the first. Thing I do when, when working with athletes, and, and this confuses many of them uh, at first, is to look at the individual journey of the athlete. So from my point of view, and we are all on a kind of a journey. And this journey, and that might sound a bit spiritual to the listeners now, this journey started the day we were born. And that day, to put it into a useful analogy, we all began producing a film of our own, a movie. And, and this movie has the title, My Solution to Everything. So what does it mean? So we all have been thrown or pushed uh, into our individual lives, some softer, some a little harder, and grown up over the years. And from childhood on, we had to learn things. So we were constantly confronted with challenges and problems. We had to make decisions and create solutions and at school we were judged and evaluated all the time we were given grades and and we were told how to behave in order to be rewarded or to avoid punishment and on this journey each of us produced his own or her own and individual film so to speak and a look at these films shows us each of us which, uh, yeah, let me say action strategies we have developed and which coping mechanisms we obviously tried out. And the problem or, or the thing is this making of the film um, influenced us in a, in a certain way as it led to attitudes, to ways of thinking, to beliefs. And while some of the ways of thinking were quite useful uh, at a point of time, many may have lost their purpose. So others, however, have been totally forgotten. For example, look at things in your youth that you did very well. And yeah, I I guarantee you, you will be impressed by yourself. So maybe you were pretty brave or simply believed in yourself, not thinking about failure, just the experience. And this is the way we or I use in coaching. And in the end, it doesn't matter what kind of film you as an athlete has produced so far. There is not... not uh, such thing as good or bad. It is in the end what it is. And the film um, gives you as an athlete the the perfect opportunity to understand your thoughts, your feelings and and your behaviors. And of course, also your knots in terms of that you do things which have been quite helpful in the past. So pushing, reaching out for performance, but maybe are not so successful as a strategy right now and uh, the good thing is the more you become aware of yourself and your film the easier it is to initiate uh, what i would say a a change here and now and this is 
always possible and, and never too late. Yeah. So yeah, so so that's is that kind of step one, just getting to know yourself a bit better and being aware of yourself in the present and in the past as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, know yourself. Okay, I do. So it is. It is. It, it sounds quite easy, and in the end, it, it takes quite a long time. And I, I think it's a never-ending process. The, the problem is that, of course, we are all uh, very often, or we all very often, wish for a quick solution if we if we have a long-lasting problem. So, and and then we like to reach out for a certain yeah behavior pattern which we try to put on, like like a Superman costume. So, okay, I have a problem. Give me the solution, but. My philosophy as a coach is that it is hardly useful and and it doesn't doesn't last. So what do I instead is more from a systemic way. So meaning including all the the um, all the elements in your when you in your system and and all the elements around you and above all that. And I, I take an appreciative approach in which I consider the elements that my clients often. Yeah, are not really aware of, and therefore they do not pay uh, much attention on it so far. Okay, so can you give two two examples? Maybe one from the triathlon world and, and one from uh, the business world or leadership world uh, of uh, uh, yeah of, of a, a knot and and how how you would solve it in or how you have solved it in uh, in those particular examples, and and of course if any relevant. Uh, information about the environment and the background that we need to know as well. So just to give get some examples and understand this a bit better. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I think yeah. Let me let me b- maybe go back to the movie analogy. So over time we have all found what I call purposeful solutions as a as a business person, but also as a as a triathlete. So we all face challenges and. Each of us found their own or unique solution. So in terms of, for example, we were rejected or we failed or we had to, um, yeah, we had to drop out of a race or some, something happened in our life. And of course, there were positive events, which we also use in the coaching process. But from my experience, especially the very challenging events led us to get creative. And in this way, um, in this way, we we find a mental and 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 an emotional solution, and uh, we develop, for example, a specific attitude. So, let me let me give you the example. So, for example, don't trust people. So, if you were cheated, you for for yourself uh, establish the mindset: don't trust people. Or, if you want to be appreciated by others, you have to give a hundred percent. For example, if you as a child had the interpretation of being unloved as a reason for your individual underperformance. And these knots or these, these barriers, um, they come up over time because, because things you found useful or which have been useful over time are not useful right now. And in, in, in that context, emotions come in, which, which play a very, big role in our lives and they pave the way to things like attitudes and mindsets in the long run. And and that's why we take a, a serious look at them. So what do you, not only what do you think, but what do you feel and what do you felt over time? 
and and they act as a kind of inner mirror and inform you about what is important and what not. Okay, and uh, can we uh, then maybe discuss uh, the work that you did with uh, Florian? Uh, and uh, yeah, if you can walk us through that process a bit, that I think would be really interesting to to hear about, and uh, would also highlight some uh, specific aspects of uh, your systemic coaching in terms of triathlon and how how it can help triathlon performance. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, professional athletes often have the problem that they cannot put their full performance on the road on race day, and and I mean we are talking about maybe three to five percent. But the effect can be huge as it mean in the end place 10 instead of podium. And in this case, the question is what set the limit? What, what was the barrier or what was the not and why? Uh, and um, when Florian contacted me after the program Pathfinder, we immediately teamed up with um, Philip Zeib, uh, who is his trainer. And I already knew Philip as we had been working for quite a long time. And then we created the project so-called Breaking Barriers as a team of three, and we wanted to underpin our, our goal setting. And Philip, he is a very innovative trainer, and he is really aware of the mental and emotional skills as, as crucial resources. So he was open to work with people like me, and Florian also knew me. And so we, we teamed up as three. And in the initial phase, Uh, we still had yeah, a really vague goal. So the goal was Florian's full potential should be released at race day. And addition, in, in, in addition to that, um, we, we wanted to give him the ability not to use his physical abilities to 100%, but we also wanted to give him the mental foundation so that he would be able yeah, to, to perform at his best any time at, and in any situation during the race. So not only in, in a good situation, but also in a, in a bad situation. And of course, Philip's work took most of the project. So um, he was responsible for the complete training control and the addition of a whole range of, of methods and techniques. And, and my role then consisted of ensuring that the developed capacity could be used to 100% on, on day X. And it was very important for us as a secondary condition that Florian's way of organizing, of, of shaping, of yeah, also leading the race in St. George should be in harmony with his personality and, and his identity as an athlete. And what does it mean and, and why it is so important? So when athletes... Um, are looking for excellence, they are often tempted to use, um, I, I would call them ready-made schemes or, or predefined templates as a kind of tested accelerator. So in the business sector, you know it, that they are existing best-in-class best case studies. So the message is copy it and you will be successful. And from my experience, this approach is, is rarely promising and Often it even reduces performance because you you cannot copy uh, attitudes and, and strategy, uh, especially if you take into account that an attitude is the result of emotional processes. And so you cannot uh, copy this from other people who have developed it and improved it over years and, and decades. And so the first uh, thing we did in the project was 
to define the, the mission of Florian. And, and the mission is a kind of an, an interplay of your past. So according to the movie, so what, what is my, my, my movie I produced so far and what is my desired future? So, and, um, this was the first thing we did. And, uh, and what, so can you, can you explain that a bit more? The mission, yeah. uh, mission aspect. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I like the analogy and maybe it is, it is easier for the listener to understand. So uh, an athlete's mission is, is a kind of an interplay of, of your past and your future. So uh, according to, to this picture, so you, you have the past, the, the, the movie, um, which you produced so far. And this is the current version. And this one has to be, I would say harnessed, which mean which means that we or I with the coachee together, we try to use and, and reformulate the patterns and the strategies that are useful but also limiting. And we, we take them out of the film. So what went well, what what were your strengths, what uh, were successful in your past? And then of course there are limiting uh, attitudes and limiting beliefs and uh then I would say there is the possibility to make a, a remake of the film or a sequel. And that is the, yeah, the desired future. So the, the planned remake or the planned sequel. And um, in a project, we define this sequel. So the, the, the next step um, in such a way that it is so attractive that an athlete, for example, Florian, that in that way, it, is is really fascinated by this film so and as the film directly um, activates his his full skill set so in one in one sentence i would say we step by step designed an athlete a future athlete called florian and this athlete florian wanted to be and yeah this took us about 100 hours yeah well yeah <laughs> and uh so like what was that athlete that Florian wanted to be? Can you tell, if, if that's not too private, can you tell us a bit more about, or just a couple of key points in terms of the change from the past to the future? Yeah, the, the problem is, so if, as I said, first of all, we, we defined a mission or his mission. So, and, and my, my advice would be, yeah, define your mission. And what is a mission? So if, if you would ask me becoming number one, is that a mission? So not for me and also be fast as possible. That is, this is not a mission. The, the, the emission, um, in my view is, is trying to become your best version by doing what you were made to do. Yeah. And, and this means that you first become aware of who you are and, and what do you want to stand for? And so what are your strengths and what are your desires? And that means that you first become aware. Yeah. Of, of all the things inside you and, this is, so to speak, um, the, the basic ingredient that you can use for your mission. And then in the next step, you define what you want to do. And that should, of course, match the resources you have on board. So uh, try to be the person you can be. The problem for many is that they define a mission and only later they realize they lack the resources for it. So and and. Yeah, many top athletes from also other sports are surprisingly often are on a mission that does not really suit to them. Suit to them. So in many cases, um, these missions are the, the product of, of advices or, or tips from their uh, or, or individual perspectives from their trainers and, and coaches. 
And the athletes often accept all the advice and plans and, and lose a bit the contact to themselves in the process. And in the end, they are not really aware anymore of who they are and what they could be able to do. So it's not just copying other styles, but it's to start to get in touch with yourself and establishing, um, yeah, what, what I would, I would say the, the best version of yourself. Okay. And when you had that mission, what, what was the next step? What was there? Yeah. Was, was there something, uh, yeah. something following on after that? Yeah. So <clears throat> of course, I mean, being, so being on, on, on your mission in the first phase. So we asked questions like, who am I and what am I about and where do I really want to go? And how does that fit into my plan and how does my past fit into my future? And, Being on your mission then also means that you, of course, improve your mental strength. And uh, these strengths are yeah, quite crucial for, for race success, but they don't come from magic or shortcuts, as, as many think, though they are also a result of a long development process. And um, it can be exercised like, like running and, and cycling. And during a project, for example, we used a whole range of what I would call mental images. And um, these images um, were able to reinforce Florian's mission, not only in the race, but also on the way to the race. And a mental image, which is for me quite powerful, uh, combines um, three perspectives. So the mental one, of course, plus the emotional and the somatic one. So Uh, it is about, okay, what do I think mentally? What do I feel emotionally? And what do I experience in, in my body from a somatic perspective? And these mental uh, images then um, can be yeah, quite useful and quite powerful in the, in the project, in the race, in the preparation for the race. So can you give a couple of examples of uh, those mental images? Yeah. From a mental point of view, um, The, the project um, was about to find out who is going to the start as an athlete in, in Florian's person. So who is this Florian who is actively involved in, in, in shaping the race and who can also deal with critical situations. And um, within a mental image, we, we look um, We look at how a particular person or, or a character thinks and feels and, and behaves. And then we try to embody that. Maybe I take an um, easy example. For example, let's take a little child who dresses up like Super Mario or like, like Spider-Man. He or she wants to be like the superhero. By, by, and by dressing up like, like that superhero, he or she wants to emulate the way the superhero thinks and feels and behaves. So this is, yeah, this is in, in one sentence what, what a mental image could be. And the triathlon world um, has several icons and um, many of them have received a mental image. Of course, it was not a, a mental image, but it was a kind of a nickname which was given from the community. But from my uh, perspective, is it worked as a kind of a mental um, image and think for example of Mark Allen as he was called the grip or Dave Scott he was called the man and both of them took part in the 
legendary Iron War in 1989. And if you if you take a closer look, so because what I said, for me, it's a mental image. Being the grip or the man isn't just a description. It, from my perspective, activates a specific ability and a mindset uh, when you are able to embody it in a, on, a, on a deep level. But not every... Um, not every uh, nickname or, or mental image is really useful. So, for example, there was a, a German guy in, in, uh, in the 90s, Dirk uh, Ashmonite, and at that time, uh, races for in the, in the men's division were allowed to, to make topless. So he was called German Rambo because he was really, yeah, fast forward. And, of course, there are also images that are, yeah, like a, self-fulfilling prophecy in a, in a negative way. And um, I, I could uh, think of um, Wolfgang Dietrich, for example, who was called the rabbit. So he was the eternal first out of water in, in the 90s, but always ended up getting caught by, by the grip or, or others. And I, I think his best place was, I don't know, third on, on Hawaii in the 90s uh, as his best result. And so he was always... Um, denied the big hit and, and that shows so working with a mental image uh, can be of course very powerful but challenging um, at the same time as you have to be very careful when finding it out so if, if you don't have a nickname given to you by the community it's more about for example thinking about how you want to think yeah. feel and behave in different situations in the race for example yeah. in the swim uh, you have a certain image and in, on the bike let's in, in florian's race plan maybe he had the plan of okay getting up into the lead group and then he had a mental image for what it would look like when he's out on the bike in a small small group working together is that kind of what you're uh what you're yeah describing? i can if you like i can give you i can give you a, a couple of examples yeah. uh, for a mental image so we, we tried in the in the preparation phase a lot of mental imagery to give florian as i said the the ability To, to be able to adapt to racing situations. And the goal was to embody these images. What means, so how do this person thinks, how do this person feels, and how do this person um, behaves? And, for example, we call one picture um, the professional. So the, the professional knows what he's doing, and he knows it because he's capable of Of, of, of what he does and he can always rely on what he's doing and he's always in touch with himself and, and his abilities and the professional for example has also the quality to return into his position and he's always yeah very well balanced and um, he can regulate himself and he can um, divide his, his strength and, and energy Perfectly, and and for example, as Florian tends to be a, a yeah more quiet type, we explicitly took this trait into account. While others are yeah, I would say a bit more loud and rowdy. So the the professional Florian, as a professional, hardly makes a fuss. So he is he acts more more in the secret, and therefore is is difficult to uh, yeah to be um, to be understand. By, by his opponents. So that was what makes him so, yeah, I would say dangerous. And we, we also, um, used another picture. We called it the warrior. 
So it was significantly more complex and it was developed for critical race situations and especially, and that was quite important for um, silent attacks from, from competitors. So for example, a silent attack can be unspectacular. It is uh, yeah speeding up or slowing down, but in the end it has got maybe a devastating consequence for, for Florian as he has to, yeah, he has to, um, find a new strategy so he's maybe forced to um, to to change his strategy and that would lead to a to a mental imbalance and and that's why we yeah took quite a while to to uh, set up this picture and we also took some help um from a colleague of mine who is who's well versed in aikido and um yeah to to find a possibility to give florian the picture of a warrior in the race Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Good examples. Uh, and uh, yeah, so how important do you think that uh, this kind of process and this kind of coaching can be at the elite performance level uh, in terms of, is it a marginal gain, something that can maybe get you from that uh, 10th place to the podium? Well, that's not marginal gain. I mean, I, I guess at the top level, any marginal gain is important. But I, I guess my question is, Just how important do you think that this kind of process can be? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this question is not not so easy to answer. First, I'm I'm firmly convinced that all top athletes in the in the narrow elite of the world use this or similar forms of coaching. So I'm totally convinced. And of course, it is always called differently and is designed a little differently. And of course, not every athlete talks about it. But from my point of view, if you not only want to get to the top of the world, but also plan to stay there for a while, then there is no way around this form of coaching. And of course, yet to say, exceptions prove the rule, yeah. But my work is certainly not uh, something that enables a, a, a quantum leap in a short time, even though it has an impact from the first minute. But athletes become, and that's maybe more important, more aware of who they are, They become more sensitive. They become more, um, or they, they get more into their feelings. And at the same time, they de develop a more complete picture of, of themselves and, and their mission. And this gives them a sense of, of, of security, I would say, in an equal measure. And um, it makes them definitely mentally stronger in the end because they feel good in what they do. And they are, so to speak, in their position. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And what about for amateur athletes? Uh, is can this be relevant also if your goal is, for example, simply setting a new PB uh, in a triathlon or uh, breaking some nice round number, like breaking twelve hours for the Ironman for the first time or five hours for the half Ironman for the first time? Is it still relevant? Um, of course, of course. I mean, professionals operate. Uh, at an extremely high level, but to, yeah, this is their job. And of course you, you cannot reach out to the achievements if you have a full-time job, but for me, it, it doesn't matter. However, an age grouper has hits, has got his own goals and they are yeah as demanding and involving as, as, as and, and you have uh, the same hurdles and the same barriers as a professional who wants to become um, a world champion. And, From my perspective, I believe it is important that you are in your position at all times, uh, no matter what you do. So it's important that you know 
who you are and that you know your qualities and that you treat yourself uh, in a in a good way no no matter what your goals are or what what or you are pursuing and um there's there's a, a little story so a man sees another man who is about to cut down uh, trees with a uh, with a blunt axe and he stops and s says to him sharpen your axe then you can work faster and and the the other guy replies i don't have time i have to cut down trees yeah and i often have this image when when i talk to uh, age group athletes who are very ambitious so they all have a coach and Of course, it's a good idea, and they are—they have very precise plans, and they are very focused, and lots of data they work with, and they know everything. But if you ask them about a bit about themselves, so what is your mission, or why are you doing this, they usually don't have a, a clear answer. And, and from my point of view, many are seem to me really stressed and find sometimes the sport even as a burden and. And at that point, I think it, it doesn't make it easier if you want to achieve a goal, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes some sense. And uh, if uh, we can give some uh, some tips for, for listeners on maybe just a couple of, uh, couple of I don't know, questions or, or tips to get started on finding their mission and uh, finding their right position and, and all these things that we've been discussing – What would be a couple of good tips that you could give people that they can yeah. start with and get some some initial uh, initial benefits? Yeah, uh, so a main part in the project Barrick and Barriers with with Florian was to to formulate his his mission, so define his mission, and I think anyone can start with that right away. So in best case, you have someone, so your trainer or your 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 wife or your husband with whom you do this together, so that. So that you can get some some feedback, and a few basic questions are quite easy to answer in this context, and everyone will notice. Okay, that's just dealing with with me and 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 my um, my um, my mission. Yeah. So, um, what am I doing this sport for? Especially the triathlon. So, what am I about? And am I trying to impress others, or do I want to? Do something for myself. So, do I love to torture myself, or do I just do it because I en enjoy moving? And I, I think it is quite important to answer answer these questions honestly and especially non judgmental. So, um, I remember a guy who, uh, in a coaching process, said to me, "Fabian, it's important for me that I get a reward for everything I do." and and an award in, in best case. So just put a medal on my head and I'm happy. Yeah. And then uh, I had a female executive who ran a marathon in, I think, don't know exactly, 345, super relaxed with extremely little, little training. And she didn't even pick up the medal at the finish line. It was a, it, it was a big marathon because it didn't matter to her. So the question would be, so who did it right? And my answer would be, Both are correct. So it's not about the, giving the correct answer. So it's about discovering your own motivation and then maybe working with that. So finding out why do I do triathlon and, and why do I really do that? And, and what is my, my overall goal, which I would like to achieve? Yeah, yeah, that's great. 
Uh, and I think, I, I don't know if this is exactly relevant, but I think that brought something to memory for me, which is that quite often we look at how a certain very successful athlete behaves and, and what they're like. Um, a good example might be Michael Jordan when that Netflix documentary came out uh, a couple of years ago or one year ago, I can't remember. People looked at his mentality and how he behaved and how he was very intense with uh, and demanding. And, and, and you start to see people saying that this is the key to to athletic success but but of course you can just as easily find an example of somebody who is super chill but but equally successful and uh so i, I think it's it's a bit of a red herring when we start to look at what individual people are doing because uh, there's very obvious examples from people that all people that are doing it in very different ways but but achieve equally great success so just so as you say i think that that starting with yourself and uh yeah, getting self-awareness, uh, I guess, is one key takeaway for me, at least from from our conversation so far. Yeah, and and for me, it's it's, and I always say it to not only athletes but also business people. So it it is quite good if you know what makes you tick. So how do you think, and and what do you think, and and what do you do uh, all the day, and and that's why. And maybe this is another tip I I can give to all the. Mm, listeners so start writing a daily journal so at the end of the day or at the end of a training session for example take yourself just a few minutes and write down what did i think so what what thoughts and considerations came into my mind so what did i feel what emotions came up so i was angry i was sad i was happy and what did i experience in my body so did i feel tense Or did I have a feeling of pressure somewhere? And Florian has been doing this journal also for quite a long time. And he sent over to me the, the pages every day. And we talked about it the next day. And we did it because it shows you how you tick. So you, you realize, okay, this is, this is a pattern. So re you recognize this is uh, yeah, a, a thing I always think about, think about. And this is obviously a feeling I very often feel. And um, realizing that you can continue to work with. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And uh, can you give a personal example? As you said, you're a traffic yourself. How, what are some things that, that you do uh, to when, when you're working towards triathlon goal? Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a good point because, and of course, in my work, I only use concepts and, and approaches that I have already tried out on myself. And, and I also practice them in, in race and training. And my, my motto is you are what you practice. So, and so I have my daily routines. I, I have my journal. I very often write things down to clarify. Um, and of course to adapt my mission. So I'm, I always have my own movie and I want to make a sequel or another chapter of it. And I meditate and I try to center myself, um, uh, two or three times a day. And I, especially I try to balance my emotional experiences to avoid that. I, uh, yeah, that I develop dysfunctional attitudes, what I would say. So of course I'm always not always, but from time to time, angry and frustrated. But but I try not to get stick to them on the on the long run. So and I would say I, I always try to be in a in a good connection with me 
Um, and I do it also in, in triathlon. And uh, the most time of my sports career, I have to be honest, I trained completely without digital gadgets. And uh, even today, I don't have a structured training plan. So I don't, I don't uh, want to say that this is a bad thing, but sometimes it sets you so under pressure. And many people, they have a full-time job and they have so much stress in their job. And this generates, in the end, too much additional pressure and many pictures in your head come up when you use all the all the data and they tell you something you do not understand okay why is my heart rate so high and this and that and so i i really try to yeah get in touch with me and ask myself okay what is needed and and what is your need right now and what what could be a solution for that mm, yeah and uh these have been several examples already for triathlon and uh, sports performance is there anything uh, in addition i mean and they are they can also be used generally i understand but are there any things that that you would like to point out as good examples uh, for listeners that might be in a leadership position or uh, in some sort of business role where uh, where it might all, where systemic uh, coaching might also be beneficial so anything additional that you didn't mention in those previous examples yeah yeah i, I mean imagine that until yesterday you thought you 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 sit quite well on your bike so until yesterday because yesterday you had your first bike fitting and now you are optimally um, adapted to your bike so of course it, it still pinches here and there and you have to do a few more exercises but in the end you see aha uh -huh, this is my new position and you feel okay this is how it must feel to sit on the bike like this and no other way and For me, it is similar with this form of coaching. So imagine you you are able to verbalize your mission and you suddenly experience a, a clarity and an energy where you would never thought it, it, it exists. And you suddenly realize, okay, this is what I want to do and this is a goal I want to pursue. And of course, uh, especially this is the way I want to pursue the goal. And um, that's why... I, I would say in the end, you you can take much better care of yourself uh, on many levels because you pay better attention to your needs, for example. And of course, it makes also things in, in, in the business life easier because you, yeah, maybe you lead your team in another way or you you work together with your colleagues in another way or you, you solve conflicts uh, in another way. And in my opinion, yeah, it's, it's worth it. Mm, yeah. And uh, do you have any other piece of advice or final take-home messages before we get into the rapid-fire questions? Um, yeah, so for me, I mean, um, yeah, so take it easy. Maybe it's, it's not the, the right advice, but um, what, I, what I heard very often when I, when I talk to athletes is when they, when they finished um, a long-distance race, so... They said for they said to me so I defeated myself so and um, yeah this is really interesting because I I hear that quite often that people talk to me in that way so I I defeated myself finishing an Ironman or or finishing an, a marathon and I always ask myself okay if you defeat yourself so of course somebody has won but there is a loser and and obviously the loser is is part of yourself so for me this is not really an an 
appreciative approach to, to, to deal with yourself, you know? So that's why, um, yeah, I would like to invite people to, to be more appreciative with their, um, with, with their goals and especially their way to reach those goals. And, um, of course there are knots and barriers, but, but you, you cannot break the barriers with a, with a crowbar, but you can break it very smoothly when you accept that the, the barrier of course has a, has a background. So the, the behavior in the past was good. You took care of yourself by establishing this, this, um, attitude or this mindset. So it is not about going against yourself, but it, it is a bit more about going in, in, um, yeah, in alliance. So going in resonance with yourself. Okay. Yep. Uh, so let's move to the rapid fire question. So take just one sentence to answer each of these. And the first one is, what is your favorite book or resource related to endurance sports uh, or really to systemic yeah. coaching or anything? Ah, yeah, okay. That's what, what I would like to add. So I'm not a trainer or a physiotherapist, but uh, f uh, an interesting book is Embodied Coaching. So it's written by Richard Strozzi. It's, I think, also, it is in English available, definitely. And a German book, it's called um, a Leadership. It, it's, it has got an English title, but it is written in German. It's called Leadership by Personality. And this is quite interesting. The first one was Embodied Coaching. Embodied Coaching and um, Richard uh, Strozzi. And the second one was Leadership by Personality. And it yeah. deals a lot with self-leadership and self-development. Just writing it down so I can put it in the show notes. And yep. uh, what's an important habit that you have benefited from athletically, uh, professionally, or personally? Um, uh, okay, maybe it sounds a bit pathetic, but it's humility in terms of being humble, I think. So especially in times of, of the crisis and, and the pandemic and the Ukrainian war. So I realized so nothing is for granted. And in, and in addition to that, I think we as, as triathletes are not entitled to anything. So even though we assume that, that from time to time we want to train hard and, and have the adequate outcome. So maybe it's yeah humility. Mm. And who's somebody that you look up to or that has inspired you? Oh, Mm, to be honest, I I could always do only a very little with this idle thing. So I like the I like the idea that you yourself in in ten years or fifteen years from now can can function as your so called own idol, and and that's why I really like the the type of work I do with my clients, but also for myself. Well, so. that that's a very good answer, I think. <laughs> and uh, yes. finally, uh, Fabian, where can people find find out you and find learn more about your work uh, and so on? Tell us a bit more. Yeah, so um, of course we have uh, we have a, a, a web page. Uh, it's called houseofleadership.de. It's unfortunately only in German. And um, uh, as a result of the project with Florian, we will set up a program for um, together with uh, Florian, uh, with uh, Philip Seib and his company Kickass. We will set up a project called Breaking Barriers, and you will find information on breakingbarriers.pro. But in the first round, I think it will be only for German-speaking people, as we have also um, physical sessions uh, in, in Germany. But um, the best idea is uh, connecting me uh, via LinkedIn or via Insta. So I'm not I'm not um, 
a real Insta guy, but uh, you can contact me via LinkedIn. That's a good idea. Or you can send me an email. And um, for those who would like to do that, I can send them maybe a template, a, a small template where they can find some hints how to initiate their own work. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So we'll put your email in the show notes then as well, and people can find it. There. <clears throat> yeah. I will, I will, I will give it to you. Of okay. Perfect. Uh, thank you so much, Fabian. Uh, it's been very interesting to talk to you and uh, yeah, looking forward to chatting to you again in the future. Yeah. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope that you enjoyed that interview. As always, you can find the show notes on scientifictriathlon.com with uh, links to uh, Fabian's uh, profiles, social media profiles and websites, as well as his email it will be found there as he uh, suggested. You can email him and uh, some book recommendations, related episodes, including my interview with uh, Philip Seip and a couple of sports psychology episodes that I would highly recommend you listen to if that topic interests you, including one with uh, Dr. Simon Marshall and Leslie Patterson and another one with Dr. Joanne Delcotter. Next Monday I interview Dr. Andy Renfrey who is an exercise physiologist and we will talk about uh, training methods, applying sports science in practice, uh, running in particular is his forte and we'll talk a lot, a lot about pacing which is uh, a topic that he has uh, investigated a lot and done a lot of research in so, so that's uh, an interesting special topic that we dive into in great detail. Don't forget our training camps and in particular uh, the one in Portugal in January 2023 is open for registration and uh, in fact we only have a few slots left so be quick if you want to sign up for that one. Uh, check out the information on scientifictriathlon.com and email me if you have any further questions or want to register. Big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Fuel and Hydration, that you can find on precisionfuelandhydration.com. Use their free fuel and hydration planner to understand your fluid, electrolyte, and carbohydrate needs and get a specific and effective race strategy and book a free consultation with the team if you want to refine it further. Use the code TTS22 at checkout for 15% off your first order of fueling and hydration products. And thank you to Senate. Use the Senate Swim Trainer to improve your technique, power, stamina, and most importantly, your swim training consistency. Get 20% off your order of the Swim Trainer with the promo code that you can get on senateswimtrainer.com forward slash TTS. And don't forget that it's a risk-free investment. If you don't love it after two weeks, send it back and you'll get a full refund. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlons.